This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. beautiful friends and welcome to the Badass Ladies Club. We're so honored that you are back to listen to another episode today. We would love it so much if you would get on and like, rate, and review this podcast. We're looking for all the five-star reviews. If you love what we're doing, awesome. You should definitely do that. If you don't love what we're doing, it's cool. You can just like not rate us. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to get into identity today yes, and like how we, identity. yeah, like how we identify ourselves anyway. But before that, I want to talk about a super badass of the week. Hell yeah, girl. Bring it. We're talking about the goat. The goat. Simone Biles. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Simone Biles, obviously, I hope you all know who she is. If you don't, she is a world championship, American... Olympian. Olympian. Yeah gymnast. And um, she is the most decorated American gymnast and is considered one of the greatest and most dominant gymnasts of all time. We're talking 27 gold medals, five silver medals, and four bronze um, total throughout her career. She's from Texas. Did you know that? Of course I knew that. I mean, I knew that. Oh my God. And she's only four foot eight. She's tiny. She's a little bitty powerhouse. Um... Anyway, we picked Simone Biles. By the time this episode airs, the Olympics will probably be far over. over yeah. But with what's going on right now, she is inspiring me to the max, y'all. And not I mean, because of her Olympic career. Right. She shows up to Tokyo and they're like, hey, you're too good to be here. So we need you to play at a lower level. Okay. That would be really great because if all these other gymnasts tried doing what you were doing, this would be catastrophic. Just play small, Simone. Just play small, Simone. Just, we're not going to judge you on your excellent. Right. Like, what the fuck is that? It is. Don't even get me started. We don't have enough time for what that is. We should do a whole episode. Another episode, another day. Yeah, is. like, well, well, then, obviously, as most of you know, Simone ends up taking a step back and noting mental health as a reason as to why she is taking a step back from the rest of the Olympics. She did do a few things, um, but you could just tell her mind kind of wasn't there. And, um, cited mental health as her reason and saying that I need to take care of me. And I have this whole team of badass women who can step in and take over. Right. And they did. And they kicked ass. Kicked and, ass. You know. What Simone did by, like, I think about the times where I've taken a pass on something because I'm like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do that because what I need to do is look out for myself. And how hard that is, like, in my little microcosm of a life. I am not at the Tokyo freaking Olympics ready to let down the entire world right. who's ready to watch me perform. You know, like, obviously, in America, we were like, yeah, go Simone Biles, you know? But, like, 
everybody all over the world knows who she is. They know that she's the best. Then all of this pressure about how she needed to play it down a little bit, you know? So everybody's ready to see her go out there and kick some major ass. Like, the absolute amazing effort it took for her to be like, mm, sorry, y'all. I'm going to look out for me first. Yeah. So inspiring. She already won. She, I mean, like, she is... She doesn't need any more gold medals to prove no. that she is a bad ass. And I'm so proud of so her. Proud. And what an amazing message. Yes, for young women, but for men, women, everything in between. Humanity. What an amazing yes. message for humans to say, you could be in the world's biggest stage for the top of your whatever it is. And you can still say, I need to do me. Um, How inspiring and inspirational. And I mean, just absolute with all the honor I have in my heart and soul. I honor Simone Biles and like what courage that took. Huge courage. And on another note, for anybody who looks at what Simone did and thinks that what she did was not brave or was in some way like letting down her team or her country, I would just ask that you like check yourself and say, what is this bringing up for me right now? Mm -hmm. You know, because we live in a culture where you do sacrifice what's best for you physically, mentally, emotionally for the good of fill in the blank. Simone Biles said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to martyr myself. It's so beautiful. Like, hell yes. Yes. And we can get into the whole, we need to do an episode. I was about to say. Gymnast and Carrie. um, Carrie Strug. Yes. Yes. I mean, bless her. I mean, so that's what we're supposed to look up to right someone putting themselves in harm's way physical mental emotional harm for the sake of a gold medal or a medal in general because it's the fucking olympics like are you kidding me well, i love the olympics i love the olympics too come on and i love watching people push through resistance to achieve great things like so i'm not saying like be a pansy you know right. like that Pansy's probably a wrong word. Anyway, (laughs) I get the idea of pushing through your resistance to create greatness, you know, and to achieve greatness. But this whole idea that your physical and mental health is secondary to achieving any type of reward, it is what the world needs more now is look inside yourself. What do you need? Don't worry about who you're going to disappoint. Take care of yourself. And the reason why we chose Simone for Badass of the Week for this particular episode is because Simone Biles could have easily been like, but who am I without being a gymnast? Right. Who am I without the Olympics? I'm an Olympian, goddamn. And everybody it. says I'm the best in the world. I right. better show up and deliver, you know? Like it's so that's what we're gonna unpack today. Yes. So Simone Biles, you are a freaking inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and we love you and honor your decision, 100%. Let's talk about identity. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, so identity is this really strange thing that I learn more about every day, like what I think my identity is, mm-hmm. figuring that shit out. So I guess the whole 
point of getting into this as a topic on the podcast is how many times we tie our identity to something outside of ourselves. So my identity is my relationship. My identity is my career or my job, you know? Um, And, you know, sometimes people that you meet, they ask you, like, what do you do? And this whole idea that we all do something for a living or, you know, like that we have some sort of employment or job. Um, and that this has come up for me a lot because I have a big shift in my work life where I don't have, um, I don't work in the salon anymore. And so for so, for decades, the answer has been, I work in the beauty business. I'm a makeup artist. I'm a team leader. I'm a, you know, like whatever it is that I was, and still am to a certain extent sometimes, you know, like that this idea of what do you do or who are you? um, Like I remember in the very first salon that I worked in, I was having a really hard time. And I was sitting with a therapist, you know, who was trying to help me navigate through a lot of these like 20 something year old emotions that I was going through feeling a lot of obligation to the place that I worked at, you know, like trying to navigate some people that I was working with that I was having a really hard time with. And that therapist asked me, I think I was like 22 or 23 maybe. And she said, Laurie, who would you be if you weren't Laurie that worked at this place? Um, And I was crushed by the idea that I would ever not work there. And my answer to her was, "I'd, I'd be nobody. You know, like that I don't exist if I don't work in this place that, you know, I had never had a job that I truly loved. Like when I started working in the salon business, like everything clicked and I was like, oh, this is my thing. You know, like I'm good at this. I could do this for the rest of my life. Like it was my identity. And I'd only been doing it for a few years, you know, when I was in this situation where she asked me, like, who would you be without it? And there was no question in my mind, I would be nothing without my job. And several jobs came after that, that I felt exactly the same way about, you know, like that my identity has always been attached to what I do for a living Mm -hmm. until now. And I still don't know how I'd answer that question, you know, like, but that there's even room to exist outside of my career being my identity is a new thing. And I just think it is such a fascinating conversation about, yeah, your identity is your career or your job. So many of us fall into that. Yeah, I feel that in a huge way. And I guess this is the first time we've said it publicly. Laurie's not at the salon anymore. I mean, I've said it to anybody that wanted to listen, I guess. Uh, but but yeah, said it on but the I haven't podcast. said it on the podcast. You're right. This um, is the first time that that's come up. So now that that's out. <laughs> Surprise! Um, well, yeah, but I still am. Of course. Um... And so for any clients listening, I don't want this to freak anyone out. But I mean, Laurie, like even when was that? A year ago? Do you remember me like being really snobby and shitty about another fellow hairstylist like who doesn't work at our salon? Um, And she was like all over social media, um, like about all these other ventures that she was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just don't understand like why hairstylists like are so flighty and feel the need to like not concentrate on their craft. Lady. That I was so like, uh, without hair, I don't exist. 
Yes. And y'all, here for you. I still do hair. I still love doing hair. That's not going anywhere. I just, I literally couldn't imagine living without that identity. Identity, yeah. And how dare a hairdresser not be all in? Have other interests or passions like to pursue. Interests? Are you kidding me? So now here we are. I think that may have been a year ago. Maybe it was longer. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like eight months ago. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't even matter when it was. Whenever it was, it wasn't that long ago. And now here we are. I'm in healer circle with Mm -hmm. you and Eva and Mandy, and I'm learning how to um, be a healer. And that now that's part of my identity. And now it's like, oh, I'm still a hairstylist, but I'm also so many other things. For the first time in my career, I can actually say I'm not just a hairstylist. Right. And it's fucking weird. It's really weird. And what is so interesting about it is like, as I was making decisions to not work a day job in the beauty business anymore, I was really like, well, I don't think I want to be a makeup artist anymore. Now that I'm out of it, I'm actually really softening up on that thing where I'm like, I'll always be a makeup artist, you know, like always a makeup artist. I will always love to paint faces and to have that kind of like energetic exchange with people in whatever medium that ends up coming up as. And that your identity isn't tied to anything but you like that and that giving yourself the freedom to step into other iterations of you is really powerful. And part of what makes us so amazingly unique, when you were talking about like shaming the other hairdresser a year ago, whatever, like this episode, like y'all get in line, okay? (laughs) Like I have it coming back to me on so many fronts because I was never good at people choosing to leave the salon world and moving into something else that they were passionate about. It was like a personal attack on me when that Mm -hmm. happened. I handled it so poorly. And like, to be perfect, like, needed therapy, needed to like reevaluate what is this life that I'm living, you know, like, that it hurt me in such a bad way, only because it brought up all this stuff. Like, it wasn't that they were leaving a job or a place. They were leaving me, you know, like it was this. And how dare And they? how dare they put me in this place where now it like triggers all my abandonment and am I good enough? And if I had done this, maybe things would have been different. And that, and so now on the flip side of that, I'm the one leaving. Like I said, it's such a humbling and crazy thing to go through when I think about how badly I handled it all of the times that that happened before for 20 years, you know? Um, so... Yeah, like your identity being your job and your career. I love the beauty business and I love makeup and I love hairdressers and I love the magic that goes on in salons. Like it is amazing. But it's not all that I am. Mm -hmm. And it never was, you know? And understanding and recognizing the multifaceted parts of identity with people, I think is really... And, you know, we just started with job and career because I think that's 
what I'm most closely, you know, like navigating right now. But we're going to get into here in a little bit. Like there's lots of things we attach our identities to. Um, that that's in the culture that we live in, though, a pretty prevalent thing to jump into is what are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not true. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, so let's talk about people and relationships. Um, because I know I've had before my husband, like two other people really, well, no, maybe three other people that like, I've really truly been like madly in love with that. My identity was so tied up in them. What the the things that they liked, I liked, or the ways that they looked at the world was how I looked at the world, you know, like the places that we lived or the vacations that we went on or the things that, you know, like that sometimes your identity is tied up in the person that you love, or maybe sometimes it's not even love. It's just like infatuation or whatever, you know, like, but the person that you're into that your identity is wrapped up in them. Right. And that's how like easily people lose themselves. I think oh that the relationship is the quickest way to hell as far as <laughs> losing yourself. Yeah. Like you can lose yourself in your job. Sure. Absolutely. Done it. Been there. You know, um, raising my hand here. Um, but I think that identifying, like having your relationship, your identity is the quickest way to lose yourself. Mm. And on the heels of relationship, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No. Did you say everything you needed to I said say it. about that? Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to it if I didn't. Um, well, and this is a relationship, but not a romantic relationship. Um, the identity of being a parent. Woo! Preach, sister. What does a parent look like? Yeah. Well, that's not how a mom is supposed to look. That's not how a mom is supposed to act. That's not how a dad is supposed to look. That's not how a dad is supposed to act. Um, and I see this so much in my peers with women who have younger children who just completely, they don't honor who they were before having a child. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes it just takes someone shaking them and saying, you're still that person. Yeah. You're still sexy. Mm -hmm. You're still beautiful. You still deserve to be dated. Like, yeah, I get it. You're married, but like get dressed up, wear a skirt where your ass hangs out and have your man take you out or go out with your girlfriends and go dancing. Right. Just because you're a mom and you now like have the C-section scar where like, you know, well, C-section scar or not, like our bodies change, you know, whether you have children or not. And like our stomachs aren't as flat and our arms aren't as tight and like whatever, girl. It's all beautiful. It's beautiful. So just own it Mm -hmm. and go out and show yourself off. Right. Like, pulling it, especially if you're, and I can, you know, talking about parenting is always weird for me because I don't have biological children. But I feel like I have a really unique perspective of knowing people before they had children knowing people in that phase from like, I have a newborn infant to like three or four years old is a really like interesting when they're more time. Independent. Right. And yeah. when that kid like needs them for survival, you know, and then knowing parents that have kids in this in-between phase where they're starting to elicit more independence and, you know, like growing up and then knowing parents whose kids are 
teenagers, high school, college age, and getting out of the house, you know, like that parenting has its own like growth edge that you hit. But it's always so amazing to watch parents start to identify like, oh, I'm my own person still, you know, like, and that you're, and kids need to see their parents be messy and vulnerable, you know, and lose their shit sometimes and not have it all together, you know, and that it's a really cool thing when we're talking about identity, that there's a lot of pressure put on parents nowadays. And that used to, like when I was growing up, I had parents but I also had like my own after school time mm-hmm. where my parents weren't there, you know, where I got to determine what I did with my time. I played outside until the streetlights came on and it was time to come in for dinner, you know, like that there is this notion of like parents being so wrapped up in every detail and every moment and monitoring everything and making sure that their kids don't get into whatever shenanigans, you know, like kids get into nowadays. Um, that that becomes your identity and how hard that is when your kids do grow up and move on. I can imagine, you know, like to have to really figure out what that looks like. That's such a common thing that I hear behind the chair with parents who are becoming empty nesters. So many women have said to me, I don't even know who I am without my child in the house. And I'm like, oh my God, has it been 18 years plus since you knew who you were? I, as I was like processing this whole idea of not having a day job, one of my close friends pointed out that like working in the beauty business is kind of like your baby and that you had that baby for, you know, 20 years now that you've been nurturing and taking care of and the idea of letting it go, like I am still in this place where I'm like, who is Laurie without this, you know, like thing. And so, yeah, letting go and, and it's not my baby, you know, like it's just a thing. I can't, I'm sure it being a baby is way harder to, uh, to let go like that. So yeah, losing your identity in other people, whether that's family relationships, right. Um, or intimate relationships or friendships, like, and we've talked about how hard friendships are sometimes on this podcast, but that people are intoxicating, you know? And when you mesh with somebody who you have that connection with and that girlfriends even just being like, okay, so we like the same things, so we're friends, you know? But then what if we don't like some of the same things? Does that make us less friends, you know? Or... Even if you fall back on the parenting thing, you know, like pretty much all of my friends have children, you know, but I don't. And our lives look really different, you know? And so does that mean that we're any less friends than before when, you know, so that being able to stand on your own two feet as an individual and be like, no, this is my identity and that's your identity and having autonomy like that is something that has been until recently very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Um, And it also, I know this is your favorite topic, kind of casts back to this idea of like external validation. Ah, Why do you keep bringing (laughs) this up? (laughs) Like if I didn't, if I hadn't had needed so much external validation in my career, in friendships, in romantic relationships, with the family structures, like, 
how different things would look. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had quite a few girlfriends, like, say the thing of like, oh, well, I really like so-and-so, but she doesn't have kids. So like, she just doesn't get it. Right. Oh, I get that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm like, I love having friends who don't have kids because do friends having kids, especially friend, my friends with kids, Adelaide's age, it's so nice to have that, like, you're in the trenches with me. Right. You totally understand where I'm coming from. I'm not alone in this. And that's a beautiful relationship. And I love those relationships. But I also love my relationships with women who don't have children, especially you, because I get to pretend like I don't have a kid. <laughs> God. Which is like, I mean... Laurie always acknowledges that I have a child and knows that Adelaide obviously comes first. Clearly, um, But it gives me permission to not... Because when I'm with my girlfriends who have kids, all we talk about is our kids. Yeah. By the end of it, I'm like, I feel like I didn't get a fucking break. Right. Because when I'm away from my kids, sometimes I don't want to talk about her. Like, sorry, I... That's okay. It's okay. Yes. You know, like all fair. Yeah. Um, because you have your own identity. Like, right. And this is the, you know, like we could probably do a whole po- podcast on helicopter parenting, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but this is the problem with losing yourself in anything, even parenting, you know, is that, I mean, obviously, birthing and raising humans is the most important job you have if that's something that you decide to do with your life, right? But losing yourself entirely in what's going on with that kid isn't serving that kid either, you know? And it's definitely not serving you mm-hmm. or the world that you were put here to do great things in, you know? And the, and same with losing yourself. But And like so many other things that I feel like we're talking about anymore, it's all okay because that's part of our human experience is to lose ourselves, be in a crisis then where you're like, I don't know who the F I am and what am I even doing with my life? And I don't like myself and I don't like this situation. So now I got to burn it all down to the ground and figure out who the fuck I am and try and rebuild things around that. And so it's all okay. Like, it wasn't bad that I've been in any of those situations where I identified 100% with my career and not with what I truly needed because those were things I was supposed to learn and overcome and get through. Um, And that it's um, also recognizing that in all the times that I judged so many other people for doing the same thing, that I was projecting. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that's my lesson today, you know, to take away from that, um, that it's always got everything to do with you. Like when people truly piss you off, it's so frustrating to know like that your first question it needs to be, what is this bringing up for me right now? Right. Like if you're truly angry with somebody, it's not about them. Well, back to the job thing, you know, you and I have talked in the past about like your reaction and your feelings to when people left the salon before. Mm-hmm. And how you had to flip it and be like, whoa, is that because I feel like I can't 
leave. Yeah. And that goes for any job, not just like a salon, you know. No, like, any job. That when people get angry about people leaving and moving on, whether that's like a lateral move to another company that does the same thing mm-hmm. or changing their career altogether and trying new things that like, even I've experienced it where, you know, I'm like, they left me. Yeah. Right. And um, that there's a part of me that is a little jealous that they're trying new things. Yes. And um, it's a really ugly mirror to look in. And you have to be ready to look in it to see it, which is why I did it for so many years and it never occurred to me that that's what was going on. Yeah. You know? Um, And that it's like on the flip side of it now, knowing that that was what was happening at the time, it's also really freeing to know that my identity now gets to be what I decide I want it to be. And that it's totally okay if I don't have all that figured out right now, you know, like that having this wide open canvas to jump upon is actually a really cool thing. The other funny thing I'll say about identity, and this is maybe primarily with like relationships and stuff, and people who've known me for a a long time will know this, that Aubrey is a mountain biker. He loves mountain biking. He cycles in all ways, but like mountain biking is his jam. And when we first met, that was the bulk of what we did with our time. I had read, I'd ridden a bike when I met him, but not since I was a kid, very young. And so I started riding bikes. I'd never ridden a mountain bike on a not flat paved trail when we met. But of course, you know, I ended up with this really sweet ride and it was like fun. And that's what we did on the weekends. And we went camping and there were races and all the things. I was never that good at mountain biking. A lot better than I thought I could have been. I, it helped my confidence a lot because I rode through things and over things. And I was like, wow, check me out. I just did that. You know, like it wasn't all bad, but I definitely am not good at it. And ended up in the emergency room several times, lots of stitches and, you know, like issues. Knee surgery. Knee surgery. Yeah. Like (laughs) I jacked myself up physically a lot riding a bike until I got to a place where I was like, okay, so I still like riding bikes, but I'm all about like the flat joy ride. Like I don't want to do anything that's going to make me go to the hospital anymore. So there's like some trails and things that I just don't ride anymore because it's not my thing. And so you file down, you know, all of these years later, where now I can look at it and be like, okay, so riding bikes was one of my identity things where now people that know me that haven't known me very long will look at me riding bikes and think that that's my thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ever really my thing, you know? Like it was Aubrey's thing that I got into because I liked him, you know? And I wanted to do things with him and that those things became my identity because it was his identity. And it's not until I tried that on for a while and realized that that's really not my thing, that it was okay for me to be like, so now sometimes he wants to go ride his bike and I don't. And I can say, yeah, you should go ride your bike and I'm going to go do this instead, you know? Laurie 10 years ago would not have done that. She would have gone on the bike ride. She would have been concerned, you know, that for some reason if we didn't do this, that that was going to mean something, you know? And so it's so funny to see those things. And that's not a bad thing. I got a lot of great things out of riding bikes. I still really like riding bikes, you know? Um, But that my motivation for doing it was 100% because I needed to jump into his identity and be that 
because I liked him and I wanted him to like me, you know? And right. or oh, it's so interesting. The like, worst from my experience and the relationships that I've been in is like when the group of friends like isn't your jam. Mm. But it's their friends. Right. And you're like, but I'm gonna hang out with these people because I want this person to like mm-hmm. me and I want them to love me. Yeah. I've been in so many situations over the years where I'm like, I hate these fucking people. (laughs) I mean, and you have, you guys have to understand, like that was also like cold hearted, like not evolved Jessica. No judgment here. Like (laughs) we grow a lot in little bits of time. Right. Um, It was when I was very young and couldn't speak up or stand up for myself that, you know, like they'd be like, hey, so tonight let's go out with so-and-so. And I'd be like, great. <laughs> we should totally do that. I love that idea. <laughs> like gritting through my teeth. Like, please don't make me do it. Please don't make me do mm-hmm. it. Um, that I got resentful. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even like these people. Which is what happens when you, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. And how different things would have been had I just been true to myself. Yeah. And been like, these people aren't my jam. It's okay that they're your jam. Right. Go do you. But they're just not my jam. Yeah. That's my lesson in identity. I mean. With relationships especially. Well, and it is so fascinating that we all do this. Oh, yeah. Like this is, and just like everything else, like nobody's perfect. I still fall into this trap, you know, where, but at least I can like recognize that it's happening and be like, oh, Maybe if I don't want to do that, I shouldn't do it and not worry that it's going to have a consequence where somebody's going to not love me or I'm not going to be likable enough or whatever. Right, you know, like, that's some like old trauma coming up. For real. Like, where it's like, what happened to you that made you think that if I don't do X, Y, Z, I'm automatically unlovable. Right. And that's where I came from with like hanging out with people I didn't even like. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, shit, well, if I don't hang out with your friends, you're not going to love me. Right. It's fascinating. Identity is, um, is it even a thing, I guess, is what I'm, like, that it's really just this construct, kind of like linear time or, you know, like that. Well, yeah, like with the idea of like, we're not bodies with souls, we're souls with bodies. Like this thing that I'm sitting in is just a shell. It's just a skin suit. That, like, yeah. like you're just vibrating cells bouncing right, off of each other. That like. um, is so temporary. Yeah. And like in the in the really big picture, we're talking God, the universe, source, like. Is it even important that I have an identity? <laughs> well, or like you're talking, we're, we're extremely um, expansive, yes. expansive, like vast beings. <laughs> yes, <Whoa>. Jessica. <laughs> yes. Uh, or, and I can't believe we didn't even talk about this before now, but we're just talking about like, identity like personally for you but now there's this whole other level of like you have a social media identity oh god you know so there's like your real identity of people who know your daily life and know that it's not all just what goes on to your newsfeed. but then there's like this outer rim of people for example i did the 25 year high school reunion last month yeah 
for people that I haven't seen in 20 something years, that if they watch me at all, it's just whatever makes it through the algorithm on their social media feed. It is fascinating to talk to people who don't know you and haven't known you since you were a kid. Explain or like talk about the things that they've seen on your feed that they think is who you are all of a sudden. Like Mm -hmm. you can't even quantify it until you're in that situation where I was like, wow, that's not who I am at all. You know, like that's actually so far and it's okay, you know, like, but it's just a new level of identity that was not there 30 years ago, you know, um, that now is prevalent in who you are and who you identify as. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards the thing that identity is not even really a thing. Right. It's just some weird thing that uh, we latch onto for survival, you know, like, um, just like anything else. Because who am I? I have no idea. But isn't that kind of cool yes. to like not be locked into something and to be like, you can be whoever the fuck you want to be. And you can change your mind as many times as you like. How awesome and freeing is that? I'm here for it. Totally here for it. All right. I feel like we crushed identity. We had so many other things on the Do list. We? What else? What are we missing? Um, style, age, country, city. Oh my gosh, age. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> we only talked about two things, Laurie. There's so but, much to I say. mean, no, for real. Like we're we're good on time. We're good. But, um I mean, maybe age is just sensitive to me because I just had a birthday, you know, and like there's so many childlike, playful things that I am embracing and I am nowhere near a child or even like sometimes when people have kids, you know, like they kind of experience a second childhood kind of deal. But yeah, just this idea that like everything is wondrous and beautiful and like appreciating really simple, awesome things um, that kids appreciate, you know, and that that is that you're never too old to totally start over again and decide what it is that you like or you don't like um, or who you want to be or who you don't want to be. I felt very trapped by this idea that I've chosen a path. Mm -hmm. I've invested X number of years and agony and pain and suffering in whatever that path is. And now I need to make the best of the path that I have chosen. Um, And that that is like the fast track to misery, you know, especially the older you get because you have more time invested in whatever it is. And this like fresh lease on life that I have all of a sudden where I'm like, okay, so just turn the whole basket upside down and let it all fall away and then just decide what you want things to look like now. And if that means that I lose everything that this whole identity is all tied up in and I start over again from ground zero, okay. You know, like, and it's not like I'm trying to lose everything, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it's just that I have a hundred percent faith that the right things will stay after I turn the basket upside down, you know, and, um, that age feels like a very definitive construct like that by this age, I'm supposed to have done this. Can I just say as a hairstylist, my number one pet peeve about age Mm -hmm. When someone sits in my chair and they say, well, I just turned 50, Mm -hmm. so I have to cut all my hair off. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? It's a thing. Just because Cosmo, Vogue, I don't even give a shit. Cosmo still like. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Whatever. It all pisses me off that 
there's this narrative out there that when you turn a certain age, your hair, your beauty regimen, whatever, has to look a certain way. And I'm like, bitch, if you want long hair, you wear that long hair till the day you die. Like, again. That's also a cultural thing in America. You know, like, like, yeah. A temporary skin suit that you're wearing. So if you love your long hair, wear your fucking long hair. I mean, look at Cher. Thank you. Or, I mean, I think it's a twofold thing too, because I think about age women over 50, that there's also like this picture or image of the wise crone who has hair down to the ground, you know? And that does like, so I just think it depends on who you're listening to. Right. It's also that crap about like, you don't wear white after Labor Day or, you know, like you don't want your panty line to show or whatever that, you know, like that there is things that we have been taught, like that when you get older, you want to like, simplify your look and you shouldn't wear winged eyeliner or you shouldn't wear red lipstick because that's for the younger girls. It really just fits a dynamic of the patriarchy where like you're either young enough that you're trying to get a man so you can procreate. But then once you've procreated that you've filled that need. So now there's no need for you to look like you're trying to get a man because that's the only reason you look anyway, right? Right. I mean... And then when you get old and you're like an old woman and you're not capable of procreating or getting a man anymore, then it's okay to totally let yourself go and just be... And like all of that is such bullshit. Yeah. That women and any woman over any age will tell you that you're still... You still feel the same way that you felt when you were younger when it comes to how you want to look if you feel sexy or not, if you feel like you're being accepted, if you like the way you look or you don't like the way that you look, that just being older doesn't make that a whole lot different. What you like the look of might change. Totally. But it also might not, you know? And that's okay too. I, and I think that today, and I know definitely coming out of the beauty business, as a makeup artist, I've been real judgy about... Um, people making adjustments to the way that they look. So definitely like early on, and this I guess is also just something that I have a perspective of because back when I was younger, plastic surgery was not what it is today. And there definitely wasn't all of this stuff that's like in between just aging gracefully without any adjustments. Like now there's all kinds of like injections and fillers and things that you can do before you actually have like a full facelift or something, right. you know? that are a little more accessible, even though it's hella expensive. Still, but it's, it's not, not as, surgery, you know? Right, right. That, that, I used to be in a really judgy place about that where I was like, I can't believe that people would do that. And if you've seen her and if you looked at like, but that in actuality, there is so much power behind being able to look the way you want to look and that not being about what anybody else projects onto you about it, you know? And that the older I get, I still haven't done any of those things, but not because like right now I'm like, okay, so I reserve the right to change my mind, you know? Like I may want to do any of those adjustments in the future if it's the way I felt like I wanted to look, you know? And um, so yeah, like identity when it comes to aging and beauty standards, at least. It's a really interesting thing. Even not having a day job where I don't have to like get up and get dressed and put on makeup every day or wear a dress code even. 
I don't know what my identity is. It is like all over the goddamn place right now. And that's cool. You know, yeah. like it's fun to, it's fun to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. It's good. Yeah. What else about age? I mean, just, you know, like these, like I, I hear it a lot with, um, mothers of the bride or mothers of the groom, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to find a dress for your kid's wedding, mm-hmm. right? And every woman who has ever sat in my chair is like, every fucking dress out there makes me look like I'm straight out of the Golden Girls in yes. the 90s. Like they're yes. these old ass, matronly, mm-hmm. super covered shoulder pad shit. Right. That like, they're like, I, you know, damn, I know I'm old and I'm not trying to compete with like my daughter or her friends or anything, right. but like, I want to feel sexy. And I'm like, you are sexy. Yes. So, you know, when I got married, my mom went through the same thing and she was like, I hate everything that I'm looking at. Your mom's dang hot, by the way. I'm just Seriously, saying like, Dana is super hot. Super hot. And such an inspiration for right. a mature woman that I can mean, be hot. I mean, super beautiful. And my mom was like, you know, I said, mom, what do you want to wear? Yeah. And she was like, oh no, maybe just like a little black dress. And I was like, great. Score then you should wear a little black dress. Totally. And I just had one client recently, her daughter's getting married and we were having this exact same conversation. And she was telling me, oh, well, I was looking it up and they like, I really like this red dress, but apparently it's like this unwritten rule that mothers of the bride shouldn't wear red because it's like too upstagey. What? And I'm like, you wear that MF and dress. I was about to like, say, let's but, rewrite this rule immediately. You know, I mean, whatever. If the, if it doesn't make her comfortable, then it doesn't make her comfortable. If, you know, I get it. But yeah, like all these like expectations that come with age, it's just like so infuriating because the more I learn about raging feminist, feminist rant here, <laughs> the more I learn about like where these expectations derive from. Mm-hmm. And then it's all designed by, like, middle-aged white men. Sorry, y'all. I'm like, the bra. Yeah. Don't even get me started on bras. Designed by a man. And, like, I wear bras, okay? I wear bras, too. But also, if you don't want to, I'm like, you let that shit hang, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, be free. Be free. Um, diet culture. Gross. Designed by men. Yes. Um... Every, like, beauty expectation. Do you know how many male CEOs there are in the beauty industry? Not saying that some of them aren't incredible or amazing, but these beauty standards are designed by men, y'all. Like, why, first of all? And, like, it's because men want something pretty to look at. That's why we are the way we are today. And I might even like add to this idea that like when we talk about men, okay, be it like, because I think when we, the patriarchy is different than men, right? Because I know men, like I'm married to one of them, right? (laughs) That the things that I the identity of Laurie that's identifying with like, I need to be young and hot and fit and firm or whatever, you know, like the things that 
Aubrey's usually most in love with about me are a lot of times the things I have been most self-conscious about, you know? So he didn't fit that mold. Like, he loves the round parts, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the parts that I'm so horrified about or, like, feeling like I need to wear something to cover this up or I need to, like, position myself so you don't see this, you know? And so I'm fascinated. And and he's not the only one, you know? Like, you can talk to lots of men, like, that appreciate things if we're just talking about like the shape of a woman's body or like a bra Mm -hmm. and boobs hanging okay Mm -hmm. and me thinking that that's gross okay in my traditional beauty standard right okay where he's like that's not gross that's gorgeous you know like Mm -hmm. I love that and I'm like really oh my (laughs) god you know like or just like stomachs not being flat right loves it, you know? And so that in actuality as humans, we don't find that stuff as a turnoff. That a lot of men are super into these things that these traditional beauty standards have taught us that we need to get rid of or or even like, I talk a lot about shaving my legs. Like that doesn't, I, I don't do it as often as I should. It's not a problem for Aubrey, you know? Like you also have blonde hair I know, and you're super lucky. <laughs> but I guess my point is like, it was, to to Laurie, who's concerned about this identity thing around beauty standards, I'm making a lot bigger impact on that than the person who I would be doing it for right. even cares about, you know? Right. And, and you don't let this billion-dollar industry tell you what you need to do with your body hair. But I have for a really long well, time, I, you know? Yes, like, yeah, but, but I'm just saying, like, for women who choose not to shave their armpits, yeah. so many people are like, that's unhygienic, that's gross. I'm like, men don't shave their armpits. No. It's not unhygienic for them. No. So if you don't want to shave your armpits, don't then shave don't. your armpits. Right. Like, you know, I... And I do so many of those things because I think like it's ingrained in my brain and I don't really think about it, Mm -hmm. but it also doesn't really bother me that I do it. So, but also when I see these women saying, I'm not going to let a billion dollar industry tell me what to do with my body. I'm like, that's awesome. Preach sister. Yeah. You should totally not do it. You know, it is so cool. So cool. And really just spirals back to this idea that like, Whatever you're doing, even if it's something that you taught, you were taught to do, it's okay for you to look at it and be like, why do I do this? Do I like doing this? Is this something I want to continue to do? Okay, great. Then that's now a part of your identity. Or, yeah, this was something I was taught. And why do I do that? And maybe I should try it without it and just see what I think. Now a part of your new identity. Like, that there's so much room and freedom in changing your mind. Mm-hmm. and being curious and trying new things on and then deciding what you want to keep or what you want to change. Yep. Yeah. Burn it. There were other things on the list, but I feel like... We chatty today. We're <laughs> super chatty and super fiery. I like it. You guys. I know. Kind of sorry, but not really. Not sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure that we tripped some triggers today, like, ah! but that's cool. Like, yeah. I, uh, I love talking about things that are a little dicey. Yeah. Yeah. A little irreverent. Someday we're going to get around to this patriarchy episode. I know. We've been too, like, quiet about it because we're nervous about it. But we've been doing it in little bite-sized pieces. It's we'll get okay. There. It's coming. <laughs> so, friends, please go out and uh, take care of yourselves. Really um, embrace the identity that's working for you today. Like, rate, like, rate review. 
come on a badass retreat with us. Like yes. um, all of the things. We're so grateful and humbled that you listened to this episode today and we'll check you next time. Bye. Bye.